This sermon was created with an artificial voice for the audiobook initiative on Sermon Audio. There may be mispronunciations or occasional repetitions. To report a mistake, please email us at info at sermonaudio.com and include the sermon ID or title of the message and the time at which the error occurs. We will do our best to get it corrected for future listeners. The Greatness of the Soul, Part 9 By John Bunyan, use third. But thirdly, is it so? Is the soul such an excellent thing, and is the loss thereof so unspeakably great? Then this should teach people to be very careful to whom they commit the teaching and guidance of their souls. This is a business of the greatest concern. Men will be careful to whom they commit their children, who they make the executors of their will, in whose hand they trust the writing and evidences of their lands. But how much more careful should we be? And yet the most are the least of all careful, unto whom they commit the teaching and guidance of their souls. There are several sorts of soul shepherds in the world. 1. There are idle shepherds. 2. There are foolish shepherds. 3. There are shepherds that feed themselves and not their flock. 4. There are hard-hearted and pitiless shepherds. 5. There are shepherds that, instead of healing, smite, push, and wound the diseased. 6. There are shepherds that cause their flocks to go astray. 7. And there are shepherds that feed their flock. These are the shepherds to whom thou shouldst commit thy soul for teaching and for guidance. Question. You may ask, how should I know those shepherds? Answer. First, surrender up thy soul unto God by Christ, and choose Christ to be the chief shepherd of thy soul. And he will direct thee to his shepherds, and he will, of his mercy, set such shepherds over thee, as shall feed thee with knowledge and understanding. Before thou hast surrendered up thy soul to Christ, that he may be thy chief shepherd, thou canst not find out, nor choose to put thy soul under the teaching and guidance of his under-shepherds, for thou canst not love them. Besides, they are so set forth by false shepherds, in so many ugly guises, and under so many false and scandalous dresses, that, should I direct thee to them while thou art a stranger to Christ, thou wilt count them deceivers, devourers, and wolves in sheep's clothing, rather than the shepherds that belong to the great and chief shepherd, who is also the bishop of the soul. Yet this I will say unto thee, Take heed of that shepherd that careth not for his own soul, that walketh in ways and doth such things as have a direct tendency to damn his own soul. I say, take heed of such an one. Come not near him. Let him have nothing to do with thy soul. For if he be not faithful to that which be his own soul, be sure he will not be faithful to that which is another man's. He that feeds his own soul with ashes will scarce feed thine with the bread of life. Wherefore, take heed of such an one, and many such there are in the world. By their fruits you shall know them. They are for flattering of the worst and frowning upon the best. They are for promising of life to the profane and for slaying the souls that God would have lived. 
they are also men that hunt souls that fear God, but for sewing pillows under those armholes, which God would have to lean upon that which would afflict them. These be them that with lies do make the heart of the righteous sad, whom I have not made sad. Saith God, and that have strengthened the hands of the wicked, that he shall not return from his wicked way by promising of him life. And as thou shouldest, for thy soul's sake, choose for thyself good soul shepherds, so also, for the same reason, you should choose for yourself a good wife, a good husband, a good master, a good master, a good servant, for in all these things the soul is concerned. Abraham would not suffer Isaac to take a wife of the daughters of Canaan, nor would David suffer a wicked servant to come into his house or to tarry in his sight. Bad company is also very destructive to the soul, and so is evil communication. Wherefore be diligent to shun all these things, that thou mayest persevere in that way, the end of which will be the saving of thy soul. And since under this head I am fallen upon cautions, let me add these to those which I have presented to thee already. Caution 1. Take heed, take heed of learning to do evil of any that are good. Tis possible for a good man to do things that are bad. But let not his bad action embolden thee to run upon sin. Seest thou a good man that stumbled at a stone, or that slippeth into the dirt, let that warn thee to take heed? Let his stumble make thee wary, let his fall make thee look well to thy goings? Ever follow that which is good, thy soul is at stake, caution too. Take heed of the good things of bad men, for in them there lies a snare also. Their good words and fair speeches tend to deceive. Learn to be good by the word of God, and by the holy lives of them that be good. Envy not the wicked, nor desire to be with them. Choose none of his ways. Thy soul lies at stake. Caution free. Take heed of playing the hypocrite in religion. What of God and his word thou knowest? Profess it honestly, conform to it heartily, serve him faithfully. For what is the hypocrite bettered by all his profession? When God taketh away his soul? Caution 4. Take heed of delays to turn to God and of choosing his ways for the delight of thy heart. For the Lord's eye is upon them that fear him to deliver their souls. Caution 5. Boast not thyself of thy flocks and thy herds, of thy gold and thy silver, of thy sons and of thy daughters. What is a house full of treasures and all the delights of this world, if thou be empty of grace, if thy soul be not filled with good? But use forth. Is it so? Is the soul such an excellent thing? And is the loss thereof so unspeakably great? Then I pray thee, let me inquire a little of thee, what provision thou hast made for thy soul? There be many that, through their eagerness after the things of this life, do bereave their soul of good, even of that good, the which, if they had, it would be a good to them forever. But I ask not concerning this. It is not what provision thou hast made for this life, but what for the life and the world to come. Lord, 
Gather not my soul with sinners, saith David, not with men of this world. Lord, not with them that have their portion in this life, whose belly thou fillest with thy hid treasures. Thus you see how Solomon laments some, and how his father prays to be delivered from their lot, who have their portion in this life, and that have not made provision for their soul. Well then, let me inquire of thee about this matter. What provision hast thou made for thy soul? And one, what hast thou thought of thy soul? What ponderous thoughts hast thou had of the greatness and of the immortality of thy soul? This must be the first inquiry, for he that hath not had his thoughts truly exercised, ponderously exercised about the greatness and the immortality of his soul, will not be careful, after an effectual manner, to make provision for his soul, for the life and world to come. The soul is a man's all, whether he knows it or no, as I have already showed you. Now a man will be concerned about what he thinks is his all. We read of the poor servant that setteth his heart upon his wages. But it is because it is his all, his treasure, and that wherein his worldly worth lieth. Why thy soul is thy all, it is strange if thou dost not think so, and more strange if thou dost think so, and yet hast light seldom and trivial thoughts about it. These two seem to be inconsistent, therefore, let thy conscience speak. Either thou hast very great and weighty thoughts about the excellent greatness of thy soul, or else thou dost not count that thy soul is so great a thing as it is, else thou dost not count it thy all. 2. What judgment hast thou made of the present state of thy soul? I speak now to the unconverted. Thy soul is under sin, under the curse, and an object of wrath. This is that sentence that by the word is passed upon it, Woe unto their soul, saith God! For they have rewarded evil unto themselves. This is the sentence of God. Well, but what judgment hast thou passed upon it while thou livest in thy debaucheries? Is it not that which thy fellows have passed on theirs before thee, saying, I shall have peace, though I walk in the imagination of mine heart, to add drunkenness to first? If so, know thy judgment is gross, thy soul is miserable, and turn, or in little time thine eyes will behold all this. 3. What care hast thou had of securing of thy soul, and that it might be delivered from the danger that by sin it is brought into? If a man has a horse, a cow, or a swine that is sick, or in danger by reason of this or that casualty, he will take care for his beast that it may not perish. He will pull it out of the ditch on the Sabbath day. But, oh, that is the day on which many men do put their soul into the ditch of sin. That is the day that they set apart to pursue wickedness in. But I say, what care hast thou taken to get thy soul out of this ditch? A ditch out of which thou canst never get it without the aid of an omnipotent arm. In things pertaining to this life, when a man feels his own strength fail, he will implore the help and aid of another. And no man can by any means 
deliver by his own arm his soul from the power of hell, which thou also wilt confess, if thou beest not a very brute. But what hast thou done with God for help? Hast thou cried? Hast thou cried out? Yea, dost thou still cry out, and that day and night before him, Deliver my soul, save my soul, preserve my soul, heal my soul, and I pour out my soul unto thee. Yea, canst thou say, My soul, my soul waiteth upon God, my soul thirsteth for him, my soul followeth hard after him. I say, Dost thou this, or dost thou hunt thine own soul to destroy it? The soul with some is the game, their lusts are the dogs, and they themselves are the huntsmen, and never do they more halloo, and lure, and laugh, and sing, than when they have delivered up their soul, their darling to these dogs, a thing that David trembled to think of, when he cried, Dogs have compassed me. Deliver my darling, my soul, from the power of the dog, Thus I say, he cried, and yet these dogs were but wicked men. But, oh, how much is a sin, a lust, worse than a man to do us hurt, yea, worse than is a dog, or a lion to hurt a lamb. For, what are the signs and tokens that thou bearest about thee, concerning how it will go with thy soul at last? There are signs and tokens of a good and signs and tokens of a bad end that the souls of sinners will have. There are signs of the salvation of the soul, evident tokens of salvation, and there are signs of the damnation of the soul, evident signs of damnation. Now which of these hast thou? I cannot stand here to show thee which are which. But thy soul and its salvation lieth before thee, and thou hast the book, the holy Bible, of signs about these matters by thee. Thou hast also men of God to go to, and their assemblies to frequent. Look to thyself. Heaven and hell are hard by, and one of them will swallow thee up, heaven into unspeakable and endless glory, or hell into unspeakable and endless torment. Yet five, what are the pleasures and delights of thy soul now? Are they things divine or things natural? Are they things heavenly or things earthly? Are they things holy or things unholy? For look what thing thou delightest in now. To those things the great God doth count thee a servant, and for and of those thou shalt receive thy wages at the day of judgment. His servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Wicked men talk of heaven, and say they hope and desire to go to heaven, even while they continue wicked men. But I say, what would they do there, if all that desire to go to heaven should come thither? Verily they would make a hell of heaven. For I say, what would they do there? Why, just as they do here, scatter their filthiness quite over the face of heaven, and make it as vile as the pit that the devils dwell in. Take holiness away out of heaven. And what is heaven? I had rather be in hell, were there none but holy ones there, 
than be in heaven itself with the children of iniquity. If heaven should be filled with wicked men, God would quickly drive them out or forsake the place for their sakes. It is true, they have been sinners and none but sinners that go to heaven. But they are washed, such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. When the maidens were gathered together for the great king Ahasuerus, before they were brought to him into his royal presence, they were to be had to the house of the women, there to be purified with things for purification, and that for twelve months together to wit, six months with oil of myrrh, and six months with sweet odors, and other things. And so came every maiden to the king. God also hath appointed that those that come into his royal presence should first go to the house of the women, the church, and there receive of the eunuchs things for purification, things to make us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. None can go from a state of nature to glory, but by a state of grace the Lord gives grace and glory. Hence he that goeth to heaven is said to be wrought for it, fitted, prepared for it. Use fifth, again, fifthly, is it so? Is the soul such an excellent thing, and is the loss thereof so unspeakably great? Then this doctrine commends those for the wise ones, that above all business concern themselves with the salvation of their souls, those that make all other matters but things by the by, and the salvation of their souls, the one thing needful. But but few comparatively will be concerned with this use. For where is he that doth this? Solomon speaks of one man of a thousand, however some there be, and blessed be God for some. But they are they that are wise, yea, wise in the wisdom of God. One, because they reject what God hath rejected, and that is sin. Two, because they esteem but little of that which by the word is counted, but of little esteem, and that is the world. Three, because they choose for a portion that which God commendeth unto us, or that which is the most excellent thing, namely, himself, his Christ, his heaven, his word, his grace and holiness. These are the great and most excellent things, and the things that he has chosen that is truly wise for his soul, and all other wise men are fools in God's account, and in the judgment of his word, and if it be so, glory and bliss must needs be their portion, though others shall miss thereof. The wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the promotion of fools. Let me, then, encourage those that are of this mind to be strong and hold on their way. Soul, thou hast pitched right. I will say of thy choice, as David said of Goliath's sword, There is none like that. Give it me. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Oh, I admire this wisdom. This is by the direction of the lawgiver. This is by the teaching of the blessed Spirit of God, not the wisdom which this world teacheth, nor the wisdom which the world doth choose which comes to naught. 
Surely thou hast seen something of the world to come, and of the glory of it through faith. Surely God has made thee see emptiness in that wherein others find a fullness, and vanity in that which by others is counted for a darling. Blessed are thine eyes, for they see, and thine ears, for they hear. But who told thee that thy soul was such an excellent thing, as by thy practice thou declarest thou believest it to be? What, set more by thy soul than by all the world? What, cast a world behind thy back for the welfare of a soul? Is not this to play the fool, in the account of sinners, while angels wonder at and rejoice for thy wisdom? What a thing is this, that thy soul and its welfare should be more in thy esteem than all those glories wherewith the eyes of the world are dazzled! Surely thou hast looked upon the sun, and that makes gold look like a clod of clay in thine eyesight. But who put the thoughts of the excellencies of the things that are eternal, I say? who put the thoughts of the excellency of those things into thy mind in this wanton age? In an age wherein the thoughts of eternal life and the salvation of the soul are with and to many like the Morocco ambassador and his men, men of strange faces in strange habit, with strange gestures and behavior, monsters to behold. But where hadst thou that heart that gives entertainment to these thoughts, these heavenly thoughts, these heavenly thoughts, these thoughts are like the French Protestants, banished thence where they willingly would have harbor. How came they to thy house, to thy heart, and to find entertainment in thy salon? The Lord keep them in every imagination of the thoughts of thy heart forever, and incline thine heart to seek him more and more. And since the whole world have slighted and despised and counted foolish, the thoughts and cogitations wherewith thy soul is exercised, what strong and mighty supporter is it upon, and with which thou bearest up thy spirit, and takest encouragement in this thy forlorn, unoccupied and singular way? For so, I dare say, it is with the most, but certainly it is something above thyself, and that is more mighty to uphold thee, than is the power, rage, and malice of all the world to cast thee down, or else thou couldst not bear up. Now wind and weather, now the stream and the force thereof are against thee. Objection 1. I know my soul is an excellent thing, and that the world to come and its glories, even in the smallest glimpse thereof, do swallow up all the world that is here. My heart also doth greatly desire to be exercised about the thoughts of eternity, and I count myself never better than when my poor heart is filled with them. As for the rage and fury of this world, it swayeth very little with me, for my heart is come to a point. But yet for all that I meet with many discouragements, and such things that indeed do weaken my strength in the way.' 